0: Good afternoon, everyone. How's the volume? Is the volume good? Everyone can hear me in the back? Perfect. Good. We're a quaint group. And um, Carlos always makes me feel good. He's got a knack for uh, building people up. um, Yeah, you got this. Um, But uh, it's my privilege. It's my honor to be here today. And um, I just feel so blessed. You know, with the content we've heard so far, it's it's inspiring. You know, in the Bible... um, the tone of the Bible is that you know what what we fill our mind with you know we become and uh, in so many ways maybe in more subconscious ways we walk away <clears throat> from a convention like this blessed and you might not even realize all the blessings until you might have a fleeting thought two weeks later or even words that come out of your mouth and you thought where did that come from and it came maybe from a quote or a concept or an idea shared at, at amen so my, my topic today is burnout, and in fact, if this topic is really exciting to you, uh, there's going to be a double header. Uh, Neil Nedley, I think, at the next hour is presenting on, on burnout, so you get a double helping if you want. Now, I do have to make a disclaimer, and that is any post-lunch um, tiredness that I observe, <laughs> we're going to have to stand up and maybe do um, 10, 15 seconds of blood flow okay you know my favorite author says that perfect health depends upon perfect circulation so yeah number two thank you so this topic is so pertinent because we are in a field the health field that is like on a trail that's full speed can we all relate to that we're on a full speed treadmill. Whether you've been in the career for a year, 20 years, 30 years, it's full speed. And we all have glimpses of the exhaustion that can occur with this. And um, the good thing about burnout is it's, it's two things. It's a, it's a warning and it's an opportunity. With burnout, it's a warning and an opportunity, okay? So before we go any further, let me, just, let me just offer a prayer and pray that God lead us in this discussion, that we could be touched, and hopefully we can glean a pearl of, of truth from the Bible or from the pen of inspiration that can really have an application in our life. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you for the great book. Thank you for Jesus and his example. Thank you that we can be here at Amen and, and fellowship and collaborate and compare what's working and what's not. And Lord, the, the here and now is only a brief fleeting moment, but eternity is forever. Help us to keep that in perspective. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So with burnout, my question is, are you taking care of your health? You know, dentistry is amazing, but like I said, it's like being on a treadmill full speed. And I've had multiple conversations already with dentists, who are still early in their career, and they experience this, this exhaustion that can occur. And so we're going to talk a lot about that today. And, you know, what's amazing about this topic and what I'm going to talk about today is there's just a high relationship between the phone that you have and maybe the burnout you experience. There's things that we need to find as far as plugging in and charging up. So we're going to, we're going to deal with this. So what if, what if someone or myself could just hover around you for a day in your practice, what would we find? Would we find a sustainable work life? If I said, you're going to be doing this for the next 80 years, would this put you in tears? Or would you think, no problem, this is, this is easy, this is sustainable, I could do this every day till the day I die? Or are you experiencing symptoms of burnout? Are you ready to retire tomorrow? And I'll tell you what, I've had those thoughts. I'll share my story a little bit, but I have multiple practices and I have uh, four young children. And so I've tasted this exhaustion that comes. And what I'm going to be sharing with you today is kind of my testimony, my antidote or my secret sauce for circumventing burnout. And I already know, I'm looking at the audience right now, I see a bunch of, of dynamic, charismatic, goal-oriented, determined, idealistic dentists. I just know it. And that very subcategory of people are high risk for burnout. It's the low achievers. It's the ones that just don't care, that just, they show up 20 minutes late and it it hardly raises their heartbeat. Those are the ones that are low risk for burnout. So I know, I know, I'm just looking at the group, I know about half of you, and I know just just beholding, looking at the faces, this is a high risk group. So it's, it's important that we talk about this, get on the table, and hopefully make some observations and make some application. But again, we've got to keep perspective. Why are we here? Why are we here on earth? Why are he, we here at Amen? And why are we right here in this burnout session right now? You know, we're part of a movement, an Advent movement. And this is so beautiful right now. I'm so thankful for the camaraderie and the fellowship we have. This is what fuels me. I'd say at least for a month following amen. I just kind of ride this amen wave for at least a month. After a month, it, it, kind, of, it kind of fizzles out. I forget about it. But uh, this, this next month, I'm just going to be riding the wave, and it's just absolutely amazing. So here we are, the here and now. Versus eternity. Let's get our mindset wrapped around we're in the here and now, but we need to contemplate the eternity. God has endowed us with a certain amount of vital force right here in the frontal lobe, the seat of spirituality, morality, and the will. Ellen White says if we carefully preserve the life force and keep the delicate mechanism of the body in order, you know what the first law of, of heaven is? Is order. And you know what? It says the result is health, and heaven is all health. But if the vital force is too rapidly exhausted, the nervous system goes into debt, and burnout ensues. So here's my agenda for today. I want to talk a little bit about my story. I want to talk about what burnout is, why it matters. A quick self assessment. I want you guys to have a little reality check. I want you to be honest with yourself. Oftentimes, we're too busy to have, take our own reality check, to take our own pulse. We're going to spend actually the bulk of our time on strategies. I want to spend a little bit of time on the problem and the bulk of the time on the strategies. Just enough time on the problem, just to say, to give yourself time to, to see where you're at. So, here's my story. Four dental practices, four kids, all for God. So my wife and I met at Loma Linda. And um, I was a dental student. She was uh, working for the School of Nursing. And um, just for sake of time, um, I'll just say we met in Drayson, which is a whole other story. I was was exercising, and my workout buddies never showed. And I saw her, so I did a couple more pull-ups. You know, the guys get it. You know, you get that, that uh, expansion courage in your arms. And I approached her. But anyways, we, we, um, we got married. She's the most amazing woman. And um, we left. We were in outside of Seattle, Washington, and we felt the call of country living. We knew we wanted to raise a family. And so we moved to rural Tennessee. It's one thing. I was telling someone up here, I just never envisioned in my life that I would move uh, away from the West Coast. But I'm so thankful that um, that God's in control, and I'm so thankful that He led me to the South. Uh, one thing led to another, and um, my wife and I had four children, and um, they they are um, they're, we're a young family. We have a, a two-year-old, a four-year-old, a seven-year-old, and a nine-year-old. And in this process of of having these children, with my one rural practice, I started. Um, kind of capturing the, um, the feel for management and kind of what it took. And I guess what I'm getting at is I, I really felt comfortable with the relationships I was building with my patients and with my staff. And so in this process, you know, I, I cut down to three days a week, and that's what I blame for opening up a second practice. I cut down to three days a week, and all of a, all of a sudden I felt so rested. I was speaking with Jake about this, that um, there's a a consultant out there, uh, Bill Blatchford, and he recommends working three days a week and taking somewhere between six and eight weeks off a year. He's a dentist. And his clients outperform, and he just looks at the financial component, and he also looks at just quality of life. In those two categories, his clients outperform the ones that do the conventional four days a week, two weeks off a year. So I, I didn't pay, pay him as a manager, but I knew his approach. I tried it. And so I worked three days a week. And what I found is I was refreshed, had all this energy, had more time to spend with my family. And for good or for bad, I started looking for another opportunity because I had so much um, business um, thrust. And so that's when I bought a second practice. And um, you know, I never first saw this, but I... And then I, uh, let me get rolling here. Um, I then started a third practice from scratch. And I'm on the verge of opening a fourth location in about six months. So um, I have about 17 employees. I have two associates. One exciting thing about my my system right now is I just hired um, a man to be kind of a part-time ministerial position in my office. So his sole responsibility is ministry. And so, you know, I took to heart the counsel of physicians and ministers working hand-in-hand hand together, but I was so busy on this treadmill that it, it just wasn't reality. And so I, I joined forces with this man, and he's helping me put on monthly health outreach programs where we're taking surveys, we're meeting the needs of the community, and we're doing once-a-month outreach uh, for the community. <clears throat> This year marked a record, I offered four uh, free days. You know, at Loma Linda, we had Clinic with Heart. So I had my version of uh, four days of Clinic with a Heart. So we were, uh, I'd say, blessed to give away thousands of dollars over four days of dental care throughout the year. And, um, you know, through all this with the four children and more so just the practice of managing all these people is that there were times when there was severe stress. And probably the the pinnacle of my stress was when I I just brought in my first associate and I had a shoulder injury and I really wasn't practicing for about uh, a month, month and a half. And I was paying my associate and wasn't full-time credentialed and it was just a huge leak in the financial structure of my business. And uh, because of my shoulder injury, I was sleeping on average about the month about an hour and a half each night. There was about five nights total where I just did not sleep at all. And this was a point in my life when I was just ready to sell everything and walk away. I was just emotionally exhausted. I approached my wife one morning and I said, "Do you notice any difference in me?" Because I look—I looked in the mirror and I thought, you know, I look kind of the same, but I'm not getting any sleep at all. And she said, "She's so sweet. She's loving." You know, those who know my wife, and she said, in, in such a loving way, she's like, "You are such a different person." So I knew that the rest factor and the stress was changing who I was. And I wasn't wasn't full aware of it, but I was changing as a person. So it scared me. Here's Tennessee. It's sprawling, ceaseless, rolling hills. It's so beautiful. It's so humble. And this is a very common sight. And here's my sacred circle. My wife, Sherry, who just walked in with my two oldest daughters, Um, But I come from the tribe of Anderson. (laughs) Um, I have my wife, Sherry, and my oldest, Valentina, uh, Giovanna, Carmela, and Manuel. And I was telling someone, you know, we're just talking here up front, that this is my first mission field. My family's my first mission field. And uh, I was just kind of joking last night at the, the meeting, and I said, you know, I do a little dentistry on the side. At least that's what my mind tells me, is I really want... I really want to focus on my first mission field, and that is um, myself and my family. And then it extends to my staff, then it extends to my patients, and then my neighbors, and you know, such. It's a it's a circle, and it starts with the where I live and who I spend the most time with. And actually, um, who's not in this picture is my mother-in-law, because she now lives with us, so really, she should be in this picture, too. So we're quite a crew. There's seven of us. But you know... Uh, I wanted to show this picture because one thing that I struggle with is temperance. So I'll find something that's good. I don't struggle with bad things. You know, I'm not going. You're not going to find me um, picking up a bad habit. But I'll find something that's good, and I'll and I'll just push it to the extreme. And that's how I that's why I hurt my shoulder. I was actually um, I strapped on some weight to my waist to add more weight, and as I was pulling that weight up after so many reps, I heard something kind of click in my shoulder, and so. It's been a reality in my life is that most of my ailments and struggles have been with being intemperate with that that which is good. It's a real struggle for me because um, I find something, it's that OCD in me that just wants this guy shaking his head. Can you relate? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It's it's a challenge in my life. So um, story after story of foolish intemperance and um, it would probably be more embarrassing to my family if I shared all of them. But let's get into the statistics about burnout. Um, in the 1950s, the mid-20th century, the term burnout often referred to a rocket engine that had run out of fuel and crashed. In the 1970s, researchers were applying the term to people who had run out of fuel in their career, maybe just in the scientific research realm. But then later, the psychologist Herbert Friedenberg was working with volunteer volunteers at an addiction recovery center. Can you imagine volunteering your time to help people get over their addictions? Can you think of I mean can you think of anything more emotionally challenged than volunteering your time to help people get over their addictions and the, the challenge that would be? So these volunteers were just like us. They had high ideals, lofty goals. They, they were professional with um, you know just uh, pie in the sky dreams of how things how they could change the world. And they were high risk for burnout. You know, burnout will sneak up on you. Here's a quote. Burnout is the sum total of the hundreds and thousands of tiny betrayals of purpose, each one so minute that it hardly attracts notice. Now, these thousands of tiny betrayals of purpose, I've thought about a lot, And I somehow think that there's a correlation between this and something called decision fatigue. Has anyone ever heard that term before? Decision fatigue. I read a really interesting article online that talked about even the decisions when you get on your phone and choosing which app to look on will start taking away decision ability in your storehouse. So let's say you make 20 decisions in the first two hours of your day, as far as which apps to look at, that you've already taken away from the storehouse of your decision-making ability. In fact, they did a study. Prisoners who appeared early morning received parole about 70% of the time, while those appeared late in the day were paroled less than 10% of the time. Decision fatigue. Think about it. Have you noticed the way you diagnose might, might differ in the morning from the afternoon, maybe you see a broken tooth or part of the marginal ridge broken off and in the morning, it could be a crown or an MO and maybe in the afternoon, it's the other way. It's just amazing. And there's something going on in our brain, decision fatigue, where it can dictate the patient's outcome. So no matter how rational or sensible you are, you simply can't make decision after decision after decision without pain. A mental price, which is completely unlike physical, physical fatigue. When you get physically fatigued, what happens? I've had enough. You just sit down, right? You stop. And this is so evident with children, right? Children, when they get physically tired, they, they can actually express it. Daddy, I'm tired. I'm tired of walking. They can express it. They can verbalize it. They can communicate it. How many children have said, Daddy, I'm, I'm so emotionally exhausted, can't function? But what happens is they just have a meltdown. Any parent knows this the emotional meltdown. Burnout occurs when your body and mind can no longer keep up with the tasks you demand of them. It's the proverbial last bit of straw or feather. <clears throat> So let me read a short story about Sonia. This is in my, um, we're still in the section of kind of defining what burnout is. Sonia, a highly regarded kidney specialist who prides herself on passion for her work. In her 24 years as a physician, her patients and their families have always been quick to point out her compassionate care and attention to detail. That's all of us coming out of school. She not only puts in extra time tending to patients as they come in, but also in following up with them after just discharge. Her colleagues love her too, and she's well-respected by nurses, other physicians, and administrative staff at her Arizona hospital. On the outside, the 53-year-old is a shining example of the perfect medical specialist. But what her patients and colleagues, and even Sonia herself, don't realize is that she's falling apart. For many years, Sonia looked forward to work as she woke up each morning and got ready for the day. Her interactions with her patients were powerful fuel that drove her dedication and ambition, but lately, Sonia has found herself gripped by a terrible feeling of dread. It starts on Sunday nights, the Sunday night blues. As she anticipates going to work, she feels... She feels the anxiety blooming in and overwhelming by Monday morning. She's able to grit her teeth and knuckle her way through the week. But as the hours of each day progress, she begins to exhibit physical manifestations of her inner stress. Within moments of interacting with her patients, she's suddenly, she's suddenly battling an upset stomach, a sore throat, and she's surprised by the urge to slip outdoors and run away from the hospital into the parking lot. Connecting with patients, which used to come naturally, has become exasperating. Sonia's interaction at work and then later at home leave her feeling drained. Even the act of making minor, insignificant decisions, we talked about decision fatigue, is distressing. And she criticizes herself for losing her edge. Sonia begins reflecting on her situation in earnest. She knows something has to change. But she isn't sure what. She doesn't know it just yet but she's in the throes of burnout. So here's some bottom line statistics. And this, is, this research is done mostly with physicians. I think there's a high correlation with, with our, with our um, line of work. I think we have a slight edge because maybe most of us have stronger influences on the management and the rules of our practices. We can kind of recreate kind of the laws and the, the policies of our practice. But greater than 42% of physicians express burnout. And within that category, it's marked as emotional exhaustion. The highest risk group is age 45 to 54. And that cost just in the U.S. is $4 billion. And only, surprisingly, only 9% of physicians seek help. So that that 91% just kind of bury it. They bury that. Does anyone know which specialty in medicine has the highest level of burnout? Can anyone guess? And neuro? Nope, not neuro. Any other guess? OB, that's right. OBGYN. I have a couple ideas why that might be, but um, how many physicians commit suicide every year? 400. The suicide rate for female physicians is two and a half to four times higher than the general population. It's higher than the male practitioner rate, too. Do we have any advantages over our medical doctor friends and family in our, in our burnout statistics? I think so. But we're still high risk. Does anyone here know a dentist who has taken their life? I do. Someone that went to Loma Linda. Yeah, a year ahead of me. Um, so it's real. And uh, yeah, I just want to challenge you to get ahead of the game. Don't, don't react to something like this. Don't wake up one day like Sony and say, I'm burnt out. <clears throat> so there's good news. Studies suggest that early career burnout doesn't seem to lead to any significant negative long-term consequences as long as it's handled. Don't let it linger. Address it and see it as an opportunity. So why does burnout matter? Because it has a ripple effect, OK? Physicians experiencing burnout are twice as likely to be associated with a lower quality of care for their patients. These physicians are three times more likely to be rated poorly by patients. Burnout of the medical provider has a ripple effect throughout the entire team, your family, and everyone you have a connection with. It's not just isolated to your little professional position. And most importantly, if you're burnt out, you can't be a light. Can you be a representative of our church? Can you be a representative of Christ if you're burnt out? If you have nothing in you, you have no energy, you have no light, no enthusiasm, no desire to share our present truth message? So self-assessment. Let me ask you some questions. Just keep track of how many times you say yes. Do you ever meet your patients with cynicism or callousness? Do you find yourself constantly tired? Do you feel recurring sadness, irritability, or loss of interest? Do you feel anxious or avoid certain situations or people? Do you dread or feel reluctant to go to work? Are you short with patients, family, or friends? Do you have trouble falling asleep or waking up? and not feeling refreshed. Are you binge eating or eating junk? Have you stopped exercising? Okay. I think it's normal to have some yeses in there. So don't feel bad if you have some yeses. If you have multiple, multiple yeses, you know, (laughs) uh, consider that maybe a flag that you, um, you may be in the throes of burnout. But there's good news. It's an opportunity. Something needs to change. Our Heavenly Father has a thousand ways to provide for us of which we know nothing. Those who accept the one principle of making the service of God supreme will find perplexities vanish in a plain path before their feet. We've identified our problems, but we're now going to spend the rest of our time focusing on solutions. I love that. We serve a God of solutions. And isn't it draining when you're around people and all they tend to focus on are problems? (laughs) We all know those people, and God's calling us to be the, the bearer of solutions. Now, I don't want to avoid or run away from problems. I want to meet them head on, but let's dwell on the solutions. So here's what I'm going to talk on. It's not limited to this, but this is my secret sauce. This is kind of my testimony. This is where I've found the most rejuvenation in my effort to curb burnout. So boundaries, time in nature, delegation. That's a powerful one. We're going to go in the Bible on that one. Exercise, and obviously Christ in you. Christ in you is infused with all these, these topics right now. But essentially, all these themes are forms of rest, right? These are all forms of rest. They're all ways of resting our spirit, Resting our health, resting our spiritual lives in a higher power. You know, rest, I'd also call spiritual vibrancy, is a strong antidote to burnout. So let's get into those boundaries. The Bible says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. This is the counsel of the wise man, and we need to guard the avenues of our soul, and we need to set boundaries. We need to firmly say, no, I'm sorry, I'd love to, but I just can't do that. I'm sorry, that's a great idea. I just, um, I have this and this to do. You know, you've had this experience. You're a health professional. You might even be a a leader in your local church. People come to you for everything. And if you accept everything, (laughs) you're going to fizzle out. And uh, I've come to this conclusion more and more in the last year or two where I've just had to really redefine and reprioritize and embrace my responsibility First and foremost, as my relationship with God, and then my family, and then it kind of ripples out from there. Schedule—that's a big component of my life. It's a big component of my wife's life, as she is the—we uh, do homeschooling. She's the uh, the teacher at home, and we believe firmly in a schedule. And a schedule is so beautiful because. It pushes things out that we don't want to intrude in the time of the the most important things we need to do. So schedule is all about boundaries. Drawing line in the sands and saying, this cannot encroach upon this time. This cannot encroach upon my personal devotional time. This this cannot encroach upon family worship or my exercise time or whatever um, component that you have for keeping your sanity (laughs) from burnout. So Ellen White has a comment about physicians facing fatigue, spiritual loss from, spati- from fatigue, spiritual loss from fatigue. There are those who can successfully carry a certain amount of work, but who become overwearied, fractious and impatient when there is crowded upon them a larger amount of work than they have physical or mental strength to perform. Though they lose the love of God out of the heart and then they lose courage and faith and the blessing of God is not with them. There are physicians who have lost their spiritual power because they have done double the work that they, have, that they ought to have done. When men are asked or tempted to take more work than they can do, let them say firmly, I cannot consent to do this. I cannot safely do more than I am doing. Isn't that comforting? Draw the line, set a boundary. I love it because you know we come here to amen and we're inspired, and a lot of the messages, you know, add this, add that, add this. And for me it's so encouraging, and I want to add those things. And I, I go home and I get on this treadmill. And it's so hard sometimes to add more to the maximum speed of the treadmill. I mean, there's just physically you just you just can't you can't create more time. You can't create more energy. And so I love this counsel by Ellen White because we need to draw the line. You know, it's okay to say no. And how many of you crowd your work schedule real tight? I do. I pack it. I pack it. Okay. And, um, you know, actually going through this this presentation, you know, we need to be mindful when we schedule, even though we have good intentions to do this or to do that, if we pack it so tightly, there's no chance. There's no chance. How about this? Has anyone ever heard of someone taking a sabbatical? (laughs) I have a friend, uh, he's, he attends the local neighboring church and he worked in the hospital setting for years. He's in his 90s. He's a man of much wisdom. And I approached him and I said, how did you preserve your sanity in your career after the many years of working in the hospital? And he looked at me and he said, it was stressful. And I said, well, tell me about the most stressful years of your career. And he told me and I said, well, how did you solve that? He said, Well, I took a sabbatical. I said, What? He took a three-month sabbatical from his work. He left that location, he went somewhere else and did something else. You know, did something else. And I said, Did that solve it? He said, Absolutely. I said, that's amazing. How many dentists could benefit from a three-month sabbatical? <laughs> that's right. I think all of our hands should go up. I mean, let's be real, dentistry is beautiful, it's wonderful, we help a lot of people, but it is so taxing. In the book, Patriarchs and Prophets, Ellen White talks about a sabbatical. She says, "...all enjoyed greater leisure, which afforded opportunity for the restoration of their physical powers, for the exertions of the following years. They had more time for meditation and prayer, for acquainting themselves with the teachings and requirements of the Lord, and for the instruction of their households." I'm going to tell you a quote by Socrates. He said, Beware the barrenness of a busy life. Beware of the barrenness of a busy life. In other words, don't think that a busy life is going to give you satisfaction or happiness. Beware of being so busy that you miss out on everything. Set boundaries. I already talked about Bill Blatchford, so I'm going to skip over that, but that's the dental consultant that would make a perfect Adventist, because he's all about rest. He understands the concept of work and rest. Work, rest, work, rest. Another way to set boundaries is set goals, and this might be goals outside of the office. A person in burnout has stopped setting meaningful goals and isn't consistently working to improve. Has anyone here set any goals recently outside of dentistry? Maybe a fitness goal, maybe a reading goal, maybe a language goal, maybe a hobby, maybe getting to know a family member better. You know, you could set a goal of things you want to do in the next six months, and then you can set a goal of, of growth, areas of growth that you want to mature in.